morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for July 2nd, 2017. Koyo Kubose here. So very glad you joined us on this beginning of uh, 4th of July holiday pretty soon. Whenever I think of uh, American Dharma holidays, which is my term for uh, advocating that uh, people uh, in, living in the United States and particularly families with children, young children, piggyback on our national holidays and use it as a time for um, combining it with some creative Dharma teachings. I think it it um, helps to captivate the awareness, you know, societal awareness of these holidays and the excitement and enthusiasm and focus on these holidays that are built in. And then we could use them as uh, opportunities for receiving Dharma teachings. Hey, hey, no brainer. <laughs> well, there's, it's not like there is a particular set rigid teaching associated with any given holiday. Um, once you open your mind to the possibilities, you know, it's an evolving work in progress thing all the time, and I think that's very organic and dynamic. But one of the constant teachings that I associated with uh, Independence Day is the theme of freedom. And you can do this in many ways. But one way that I do is, I heard, uh, read an article about, um, on this theme of freedom related to religion. And it says, um, the United States is, is a country founded on the premise of freedom of religion. People came here from all parts of the world uh, with different religious backgrounds, and some of them specifically to escape religious persecution and come and have the freedom to practice in their religion. And so... When you have many people coming together like that, hey, that's you know, <laughs> that's the founding aspect. Whereas a lot of other countries, they're predominantly one religion because okay? so they're much older. America's a young country. Okay? Even though some people mistakenly okay, feel that, oh, the United States is a Christian country founded on God and so forth, and is a multi-layered theme, you know? And why is it written in the Constitution, freedom of religion, okay, in the First Amendment? And everybody should be free. Okay. And just look at numbers, well, okay, numbers is not the, the crucial thing here. Okay. 
freedom of religion. And then the atheists would remind us, hey, how about don't forget freedom from religion. And then the third one, this was a Buddhist article. So how about freedom within a religion? So these are the three freedoms that are related to religion. And, and they're defined by the preposition or the word that follows freedom. Freedom of, freedom from, freedom within. And the freedom within a religion has to do with dogmatic, rigid, narrow, confining, con, you know, uh, dangers of organized institutional religion. They become so reified, so, you know, like concrete, you know. They started out serving a need, and it was a living thing that evolved. And then it was so good that, ironically, people said, oh, I want to codify this. I want to keep this goodness, not realizing that the unfolding open nature what gave it vitality. So how do you how do you appreciate and encourage and nurture freedom within a given religion where you still you are. In other words, you don't lose your basic identity but there's a lot of freedom there. Huh, that's a challenge. That's a challenge or any religion in a multi-religious society, okay, how to say, yeah, freedom of, freedom from, okay, and freedom within. That's a tremendous lesson for us here, okay, with these three freedoms. And um, I think it's uh, even more than a light bulb thing in terms of uh, aha, that your any religion, this is now organized institutional religion, has to be so secure within itself uh, that it says, hey, there's no restrictions here. A lot of people, though, even you know, in Buddhist context, they might read or hear a speaker or read an article or something. And say, oh, but that, is this consistent with my denomination? I don't want to be doing something that's proved by the establishment authority where you see even from the get-go from our founder Gautama Buddha that hey, don't believe something just because I said it. (laughs) I mean, how can you start a religion based upon that? Of course, he didn't say I'm going to start a religion. But for for the founder, for the source to say hey, don't believe Check it out in your own experience. If you find it's wholesome and healthy, it works for you, embrace it. Don't just do it because some authority figure. Man, that is a that is a bigger than a light bulb. You know what it is? It's like an inner fireworks. <laughs> How do you like that? Okay. You need this creativity to become an artist of life. Celebration, well, 
fireworks. Huh? Wow, your spiritual journey is full of twists and turns. Construction, detour, great, no problem. Huh? Well, well, that's just that's some things off the top of my head. I'd like to introduce today's guest to give us a Dharma glimpse. This is Michael Manio, and he's active in uh, Florida, lives in Florida. He's part of our current LM10 group. So, Michael Manio. Hello, this is Michael from the LM10 group. And today, a gentle breeze waxes and wanes on a hot summer day in Florida. It's probably going to rain this afternoon. I'm close enough to hear the sound of flowing water. The sky has very few clouds right now, but I notice that will change as the hours pass. Everything will change in this world. I sit quietly in the shade and relax in the view. It's important for me to take pause when I have time. Fact is, I have to make right effort, which means making the time. The grass, flowers, and weeds waft in the breeze as I, as I gently make effort to meditate and empty my own mind. As I consider my mind, I wonder about the true nature of the mind. If I try too hard, that is the idea I have to meditate or else, I accomplish nothing. I have made this little mistake many times. If I don't make any effort, I accomplish nothing. Natural mind, that is the middle way for our own minds, I think is truly the correct way. Important is that the middle way is different for every one of us. We are all very different. What is so auspicious and valuable about meditation is that you can take it with you wherever you go. You can dial in any time you like, no cell phone required. We can all simply sit on a cushion, a chair, park bench, on the ground, and sometimes walking meditation. Even at the most unlikely times, we're able to allow our minds to rest, that is, relax in the view. We may even be sitting and waiting for a bus or train. For maybe just nine breaths, we might catch a brief glimpse of the Dharma. The more we make little efforts, and the more often we practice the same, the more likely we are to return to the practice. As for me, if I try too long and try too hard, it results in less practice and more procrastination. I must not practice too soft or too hard. Sometimes the meditation will go on longer, but I can't force it either way. My mind needs a chance to rest, much like my physical body. Sometimes I wonder where my mind really is. I don't believe it's in my skull because at the time of my death, the organ that's called my brain remains behind and will land in some type of modern version of the Charno grounds. My mind moves on based on causes and conditions. Where it moves is parts unknown, but it's based on my karma, past lives. For our benefit and for the benefit of all beings, we must take advantage of opportunities we have to meditate. It's not a requirement, but it helps us little by little to see things the way they really are. 
Eventually, it helps us to see our own selves and others in a more auspicious way. May all be may all beings benefit. Until next time. Yes, thank you very much. You know, somehow in our late study program, that's how we end every. And we say, uh, you know, till next time. And everybody says, yeah, till next time. And uh, that means until next time, dot, 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 I'm going to still keep going. That's what it means. Not like, okay, this one's over, and then there's there's a, a blank gap until our next meeting. Well, there is a gap, but it's filled with something. It should be filled with something, with our awareness of continuing to live with the Dharma. Okay, we're explicitly, specifically talking about the Dharma teachings in this particular session. And I'm going to have that internal conversation <laughs> even huh? between the sessions. That's what until next time means. Huh? I think that's great. And because, you know, it's a take. Actually, to confess, it's a take. This is a takeoff of closing a session, closing a meeting, parting ways socially. And I think you could relate to this when you have family or friends at a social get together, somebody's house, say, or any place, and then you, and then you, everyone's going home. Uh, <laughs> when we were, I was, when we were children, and our parents, we had to, you know, our parents were taking us home. We're going home as a family. It's okay. We're going home and. We're all ready to go, and then they stop at the door, and they start, and they keep talking for a long time. Say, "Hey, I thought we said we were going to go," and we, you know, we're just standing around. Hey, I could still have been playing, and it was kind of a pet peeve that built into, you know, being children and at family gatherings. And I know that there's a friend of mine who, one of his sisters. She's famous for, okay, see you later. Boom, she's gone. (laughs) When it's goodbye, time to part, boom, she goes, you know. And uh, maybe it's because of this kind of a phenomenon. I don't know if it has a name or not, but prolonged, uh, you know. Finally, they're all set to to go. And then for some reason, one of the people say, hey, how's that new job of yours? Going okay? Oh, another, another. 10, 15 minutes of talking outside the car. <laughs> and so, especially when you're in a teleconference, you know, it could be, you don't see any nonverbal cues. Uh, say, well, okay, well, now next time we're going to do this, or okay, now take care, or some comments are made socially to clear. There's some gray area there, and nobody knows exactly when. The call is going to be terminated. The session is over. So we decided to adopt a clear signal. Of course, we do We do a gratitude bow, as all participants know in our late program. 
gratitude. It's nice to end on gratitude. Wow, that I'm sort of, you know, we're we're thanking everybody and the opportunity that we had this session. And then after the gratitude bow, it's still just silence until next time. And everybody says, until next time. And it's sort of a variation of, um, we have a collection of openings and closings for services that Buddhists could use that's part of a a handout, you know, compiled uh, short sayings or readings and so forth for openings and closings for invocations and benedictions. Um, and it's kind of a handy resource. But after many of them, sometimes uh, we started the, the custom of saying at the end, saying, may it be so. And that's a good one, too. May it be so is, I think, almost uh, is the meaning of amen. Okay, I don't know if it's amen, amen, okay, some nice words. Okay, may it be so. So sometimes we use that at the end of a reading. Okay. So <laughs> until next time, and I don't know why, but when I have to say, you know, I'm hosting the session, and I say until next time, for some reason I, I elongated the last syllable, so it always comes out until next time, and then everybody maybe they, it's a natural thing to kind of mimic what when you're supposed to say that. So there's. Not everybody, but some people say, until next time. <laughs> and it makes me chuckle. But that was all elicited when Michael Manuel said, until next time. I knew it was over. His diamond glance was over. But uh, the text of his comments was about the weather. And the weather is an interesting topic, isn't it? Uh, it's such a basic, common theme when people get together or see, you know, see each other. Hey, you know, talk about the weather. If you don't have anything to talk about, you can always talk about the weather. And indeed, it's always changing. Aha! Connection to the Dharma. Um, and in fact, in some of the Buddhist literature, Back in the day, they, you know, anything could be a source for conversation for you know, topic of a subject that can be related to the Dharma. So sometimes when we're we start a session and we're waiting for everybody to to call in, and so somebody somebody has to be the earlier ones or the first ones to call in, and as host. Hey, how's the weather in your part of the neck of the woods? He says, here's how it is. And And I always put an asterisk on it. And I hope that they remember that asterisk. And the asterisk is, we're asking about how are you doing? How is your spiritual path going? When when I say, "Hey, hey, how's the weather? Rather than being kind of a... You know, that's a heavy, it's too heavy. This is a light-handed way by using a metaphor of weather for one's spiritual path and spiritual growth. And it's always changing. It should be always fresh and open. And and we should reflect upon that. 
And there's a lot of other underlying related teachings to corollaries because the weather is unexpected sometimes. You cannot formulate a plan of how your spirituality is supposed to be, shoulds, ain't no shoulds in Buddhism. Any expectations, the role of expectations, and of course underlying that is the idea of teleological purpose and perfection and the end goal of things and the end justifies the means. No, no, no. Uh Always changing. And in fact, we should consider our emotions like the daily weather. There is a, I read about Morita therapy, Japanese uh, approach where one of the tenants is from David Reynolds' work with uh, with um, he's got some nice books on this. But one of them, one of the themes talked about treating emotions like daily weather. In other words, you get up in the morning, or oh, it's, it's it's kind of stormy. Ah, uh, I'm not going to go work today. It's too stormy. We don't do this. You don't let the weather stop you from, unless of course it's extreme you know, hurricane or, or earthquake or something. I mean, daily weather. Okay. It's a kind of overcast. Or sometimes it's a nice blue sky. Okay. And of course we have our preferences. Of course we want to feel a certain way. We don't want to feel down. We don't want to feel gloomy. Huh? But whatever the weather, whatever our daily emotions are that are always changing, we don't let it stop us from doing what we need to do. Which in the secular world means, oh, getting up and going to work. Starting your day. Don't say, oh, I'm out of sorts, you know. Throw the cover over our heads. Or maybe once in a while, I'm going to take a mental health break, (laughs) you know. But it's uh, the wrong kind of a broad attitude or philosophical approach if we cannot live and go beyond the relative world and let the relative world push us around problem never is X something that the relative world events and our surroundings that's never X is never the problem it's always how we deal with X that's the problem we don't realize that this is a tremendous thing that the sky and weather could teach us. The sky is great. You might think, hey, the sky is the sky perfect? Ah, sometimes it's stormy, sometimes it's a hailstorm, sometimes. No. That's just how the sky manifests. The manifestations. The sky is so big. A big sky mine. You might want blue skies, <laughs> sunny days, all the time, but no way. Hmm? guy says, hey, come on, everything. We want our big, our mind, yeah, our ego says, hey, I only want the good emotions, the pleasant emotions. I want my expectations met. I don't want those other troubling stormy weather, negative emotions. Guy says, hey, come on, come on. I'm with you, kid. And uh, 
We could learn a lot by looking at the sky. Meaning, hey, what's the weather like today? Hey, take a look outside. Start your day. And that is all for today's broadcast. Until next time, indeed, indeed, keep going. And you have a beautiful day. <laughs>